Amen. If you have a Bible, get it out. We're going to spend some time in it. And uh, I will say that uh, today, like the last uh, couple of months, I'm going to be uh, carrying you through a large section of Scripture and and, um, helping you understand what the Bible says about this topic, relationships. And uh, we began a series at the beginning of January where I I said... uh, this is a series called Best Year Ever, and so we wanted to just talk about um, the major areas of our life and, and look at them, learn to look at them through the lens of the scriptures and lens of the gospel so that we can, we can get on course or get some, some help in being on course so that this will be our best year ever. We began in January talking about focus, and it was specifically related to spending time with God, finding a quiet time with God, opening God's word, um, considering the scripture and, and, and spending uh, significant amounts or not significant, but spending quality time with God almighty. It all starts there. Right. And then we, we talked about our health. I told you that your most valuable asset uh, to your year and to your life being all that God wants you to be is your, your physical health. And uh, that's difficult to hear at times. Many of you are signed up for the rodeo run, which we're doing on February 23rd. And so uh, that'll be an application of our uh, commitment to, to taking care of our health this year. And you don't even have to, to be fast to do that. In fact, if you've not exercised at all since I did my talk on health, uh, it's okay. Still sign up for the race. Uh, I plan on uh, walk running uh, with, with uh, my wife and, um, and uh, it's going to be a good, good time. So... Uh, and then we talked about money. We talked about how you can think about money in a, in, a, in a Christ-centered kind of a way so that you can have your best year ever. And I didn't hardly say anything about giving money to the church. And so for those of you that are new to the church, oh, I knew it. There would be a series. In every series, there's a talk about money. It was mostly about how you can use what God has given you to, to enjoy all that God has for you. And, uh, and then we talked about time. Two weeks ago, we talked about time. Now, uh, today, we're talking about relationships. And this applies to every single person in this room. Um, and we ought to just admit, admit early on that relationships are very difficult. I mean, real life-giving relationships are difficult and they're very rare. If I were to ask you to think of a time in your life where you were experiencing the greatest amount of stress or difficulty or sorrow, I'm guessing that some where related to that pain and that stress would be uh, some relationship or lack of a relationship or loss of a relationship. And also, on a more positive note, if I were to ask you to think about a time in your life where you're experiencing the greatest amount of joy, I feel nearly certain that it would involve relationships. Uh, Maybe most of all, we can understand this uh, in the context of a marriage relationship. I tell people that, and I've got a very good relationship. I love you, baby. Uh, I, you know, I tell people that marriage is harder than I thought it would be and more enjoyable than I thought it would be. And, uh, and so it's in, in sometimes in our marriage relationships that we experience the greatest amount of joy and greatest amount of sorrow. Well, th- this issue of relationships impacts and affects us all. You do know why? Let me tell you why. Because you are made in the image of God, and God is in and of himself relational. Our deep relational need reveals that we are made in the image of God. Now, this is a bit of a mysterious concept, and some of you are real new to the church and even this God talk. But I want you to know that God in his 
character and who he is, the way that God the Father relates to God the Son and God the Son relates to God the Holy Spirit and God the Holy Spirit relates to God the Son. And, and those relationships, separate from his relationship with us, God is on his own, by nature, relational. We see the beauty and depth of relationships expressed in the very character and nature of God. We are made in his image. So you and I have deep within us a need for healthy, helpful, life-giving relationships, which our longing for that, whether or not we understand it, whether or not we would fully admit it, our longing for that and the difficulty of it is the greatest evidence that we are made in the image of God, according to the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. This is God, triune God, one one being three persons talking. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. So the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. The Bible teaches that we're made in the image of God, and God is relational. So you and I have a deep need for relationships. We ought to stop, start there. I've told you before, anytime somebody opens the Bible and talks topically about something, uh, then they ought to begin with the person and work of God. So if we talk topically about our need for relationships and begin with us, begin with the human being, then what we'll get to is a self-help psychology. But what I want you to understand is that your need is rooted in the very nature of who God is. Maybe the most pointed verse in the creation story is whenever God, speaking of Adam, says, it is not good for a man to be alone. Now, his solution in that moment was to provide for him uh, a woman, a wife. But it expresses all of our needs that we not ever be alone. So you and I are relational. Can I just, I mean, would you agree with that? We have a need for relationships. So let's just talk about this this need for relationships. And and, and, and I want to just kind of give you a... Um, an easy thinker um, related to this idea of relationships. Um, First of all, uh, relationship with God is number one. Our relationship with God must be absolutely the top priority in our lives. When I was a kid, uh, I had somebody that uh, invested a lot of my life, and he was a youth pastor type. And uh, he used to always say this, and it's a little cheesy, but I remember it, so it must have been good. He said, we'll never get these relationships right until we get this relationship right. And that's true. Our relationship with God is number one. When people come in and talk to me about marital strife or they're having difficulty with somebody at work or they're, they're, there's, they're, there's problems in the family or problems with the neighbors... I always begin with talking to them about where their heart is with God. Because what you're going to have to become so that you can experience the kind of relationships God has for you can only happen when God gets into your heart and starts crushing the selfishness and the pride and the arrogance, the idolatry, starts crushing those things and transforming 
your inner man into somebody who can be loving, who can be giving, who can be all that you're going to have to be so that you can be in a relationship with someone and experience all that God has for you. Remember, Jesus said, I've come to give life and give it to the fullest. I mean, the enemy comes to destroy, but I've come to give life and give it to the fullest. And certainly this impacts the way we are in relationship with other people. But it begins with God. God offers to you, God's God's the the first one to make a move in relationship with you, just so you know. He offers to you forgiveness for the thing that separates you from God called sin. Now, some of you have a church background where you've been out of the church for a while, and this is, we're finding in this area, we have a number of people checking out our church, and one thing that you like about it is it's kind of non-churchy. And uh, we're we're very happy to be non kind of non churchy. We like meeting in the Y. We you know we're, we we like um, uh, you know dressing like most people do throughout the week. You know we like these kinds of things, and it appeals to you because because you remember a day when a preacher would stand up and talk about sin, and he would be like sweaty, red faced, and like pointing down his finger at you, and it would just make you feel so small and beat up. And I want to tell you this. That your sin does separate you from God. But here is how awesome God is in relationship. God makes the first move. God moved into history, providing a way for that thing that separates you from God, that, that, that disrupts that relationship with God to be dealt with. And that is whenever he became flesh in the personal work of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, died on a cross, it's the greatest evidence of God's love in relationship. He made a move so that you can be in relationship with him. It's only possible because of God becoming human and living on this earth like you and I do. One of the names that was given to Jesus, Emmanuel, says it best, God with us. And because of Jesus, you and I can have our sin forgiven and be in relationship with God. We can do things like approach the throne of God with confidence. We can consider ourselves children of God, not enemies of God. We can talk to God quietly when we just need a friend. We can cry out to God when we don't understand. This is the kind of relationship that God offers. There's been, over the course of the last decade, a movement away from having this conversation uh, in the context of calling it religious conversation. And, and you might have heard it said, um, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. Well, that maybe oversimplifies what we're doing here a bit, but, but it, it's true. God desires a relationship with you. That's where it all begins. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What an image relationship. God wants a relationship with you. Will you receive it? Will you take a step of faith, believing that when Christ died on the cross, that somehow in a mysterious exchange, your sin, the thing that separates you from God, goes to Christ on the cross and is paid for by a shed blood. And through faith, through your faith in that act, paying for your sin, You can receive forgiveness for your sin. And no longer are you viewed by God as a sinner separated by sin. You are viewed by God as a righteous child. 
You say, what do I do? Very simply, you say, God, yes, I accept. I want to have a relationship with you. I recognize that my sin separates me from you, and I want to, I want to experience all that you have for me. That's it. That, that's what you say with your words, but something has to happen in your heart. So relationship with God is number one, and it is mysterious, right? It really is. How do you enjoy this relationship? It's very mysterious, but it begins there. So beyond our relationship with God, the Bible talks about relationships in two large categories. Now, within these categories, we could talk about your work relationships, your family relationships, your marriage relationships, your relationships with people you like, people you don't like. But really, the Bible talks about two large categories, our relationships with God's people and our relationships with anybody else. And these anybody else category, they're described as worldly people, wicked, enemies of God, children of wrath, lost, children of the domain of darkness. And so the Bible has a lot to say about them, but it says a whole lot about these large categories of our relationship with God's people and our relationship with, with worldly people or people that are not God's children, okay? Now, uh, I want to talk, first of all, about our relationships with God's people. And in both of these, I want to say two big things. First of all, you need them, and they are hard. You need relationships with God's people. You need them, and they are very, very hard. So in the New Testament, fellowship or uh, uh, being in relationship with with other people, uh, it's, uh, it's a bond created by this common confession that Jesus is Lord. And whenever the Apostle Paul talks about this kind of uh, oneness, it's expressed uh, as, as, the, as the Christians come together on a regular basis and take the Lord's Supper together. Uh, someone enters into this fellowship of commitment through the act of baptism by immersion. This is why baptism is so important. It's why we practice this as a church. And so, um, and so this, this idea of relationships among believers doesn't just start today because we need it and people are more lonely today than they've ever been in their entire lives uh, in the history of humanity. Uh, but it's because it's in us and we see it begun in the New Testament, very first followers of Jesus Christ. And it's characterized by love and self-giving. So um, you need them. I mean, you need relationships with other people. Have you heard this verse in Ecclesiastes, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I mean, Solomon, the arguably the wisest person to ever live, says, a person standing alone can be easily defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. You need good, healthy, life-giving relationships. You do. You're never meant to walk alone. And I would dare say it is, it is uh, an offense against God for you to say, I don't need anybody, I am going to walk alone. Because you need to be in community. Now, if we were in the eastern part of the world, this, I don't even know that I would need to make this point because culturally in the east, they're so tribal, their interdependence upon one another is just the, a way of life. But here we are in the west and we're so highly individualistic, we've kind of learned to deal with being alone, taking care of ourselves minimizing relationships so we don't get hurt or so that we don't have to actually sacrifice or give to others. But you were never meant to walk alone. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you must resist the urge to be alone and you must put forth effort to connect with other 
people. It is so important. You need them. Rejecting real relationships with other believers is equivalent to rejecting the bride of Christ. It's not okay. You need it. In the very early days of the Christian church, these followers of Jesus Christ who were scared and sure of the future, they met regularly. Some say met every day. They opened the Bible together. They took the Lord's Supper together. They talked about what had happened with Jesus together, what it meant for their lives. They did these things together. This is the very first activity of the early church. Acts 2.44 describes the relationships in this way. All the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. Their lives were open to one another. You need relationships. You need this body. If you don't have a church that you're connected in and receiving from and giving to, you need one. Maybe it's this one. If not, find another one, please, because you need it. Let me tell you, one of the reasons you need it, because you can't see things about yourself that others will see about you that need to be dealt with so that you can experience all that God has for you. That's the truth. We also need it because there's times in our life where we're excited about something, and we need a group of people to rejoice with us for the right reasons. For instance, we have, in the last couple of weeks, Received into our church, and we're going to grow this church one baby at a time if we have to. <laughs> we have received into our church uh, a new little life. So this is uh, Micah and Susie Walker's little boy, um, Luke Schuyler Walker. That's his name. And uh, I want you to know now, Micah and Susie—they're beautiful. They're not here; they're both models, and so they're—they're they're beautiful. Um, when I went to the hospital to see this baby, I, the first thing I said is, it looked like this baby's hair was highlighted. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I, I looked at the nurse, and I was, this, have you ever seen, I'm talking to the nurse, like, have you ever seen a child like this? I mean, the hair is like highlighted, and it's all like combed nice. Like, Michael, why did you, yeah, he, I didn't do it. That's just the way he came out. I was like, whatever. So we rejoice, right? I mean, we rejoice as a church when people um, experience this, the new life. And, and man, we're happy, but you know what? We need relationships in the context of a Christ-centered relationships because we also mourn together. I mean, we, I mean, Matt alluded to it, and um, you know, and you, maybe you're new to our church, but just a week ago, we had somebody in our church um, who uh, uh, there's kids in our midst, so I don't want to be too graphic, but who lost his life um, in, at the hands of somebody else, somebody else, and and this was this was terrible. I mean, I, you know, frankly, I, Jeannie and I are just still we're reeling, and it's going to be a journey. We're hurting, and many of you are hurting. I mean, I we could talk about it. And and this week, last Sunday, I stood before you, and I said, um, guys, this is a time where we as a church must stand tall. Our fledgling not even two-year-old church, must stand tall in this community and love people well. And in this moment, we're going to see, it's going to be like a, <clears throat> a check on, on who we are as a church and our true colors are going to shine through. And so what I saw this week was a group of people. I mean, we had several dozen. That it felt like hundreds and hundreds of people that, that came around this community 
and serve them at the memorial, serve them at this, at the uh, viewing, serve them in every different way and continue to do so. And, and I want you to know as your pastor, I feel thankful to God for you. I feel thankful to God. I believe that God has brought us to this place and we're going to, we're just begun to see all that God wants to do through the work of the people of Neartown Church. But what I saw this week was a group of people who who mourned together and wept together and weep together. And let me tell you something. That would not have happened if we had not entrusted to one another relationships over the course of the last few years. Do you know what I mean? You need relationships. And when crisis hits, that's not when you begin relationships. You begin relationships, godly, Christ-centered relationships, whenever things are going okay. Because when things are not going okay, that's when you can't even think straight. And you're just like, oh, help me. I just need somebody to hug. I need somebody to cry with. I need somebody to love. This, my friends, is the truth of God's word. You are in need of relationships. But let's be honest. They are hard, right? Relationships are so hard. Raise your hand if you found relationships to be hard. Can I get a witness? Let's go old school here. All right, there we go. Um, there's a large section of scriptures in the Bible that talk about how difficult relationships are. And in the very, I mentioned the, the beauty of relationships in the first church, but you should know there were also a lot of really screwed up relationships in the first church. Uh, oftentimes when, when the church leaders wrote letters, particularly Paul wrote letters to the fledgling churches, he dealt with strife and issues in relationships. They were, the church in Corinth, for instance, was riddled with problems involving interpersonal conflict and ethical improprieties. Um, some people were claiming spiritual superiority, and so they were like looking down their nose at other, others who weren't quite as religious or, uh, or they thought as, as they were. Um, people struggled in relationships because of sin, and there was conflict and division. People questioned the authority of the church uh, improperly, and, and there was all kinds of problems. Uh, Paul uh, begins his letter of addressing these issues with them, 1 Corinthians 1.10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be unified in the same mind and same judgment. And so Paul is dealing with these difficult relationships in the Corinthian church. You should know relationships are hard. Now, I say every time we meet with a new group of people, people that are visitors that want to commit to becoming a life, part of the life of our church. I say every single time, whenever we're in relationship with one another, conflict will come. It will. Frankly, I, I don't, I'm not afraid of conflict with, among people in our church because I think that conflict and difficulty in relationship is the best place for people to learn how to receive and apply the gospel. Oftentimes, the most significantly deep, meaningful relationships come out of really difficult times. Think about your own marriage. Think about your relationship with your best friend. I promise you, there was a time where you got into a fight with them. And if you were willing to to stay there and to work it out, then what came out of that was, was, was something more beautiful. And it would never have happened if there had not been suffering had not been difficulty. Our relationships, when they get difficult, they are hard, sure. It's the best time to apply all that we believe about who God is. Conflict will happen. They are hard, but we need them. We need relationships. We need people to come with us in this journey. 
I'm really pushing hard on this because some of you are wired in such a way like you keep everybody kind of at an arm's length and you, you step into the Sunday morning service and step out. You may even come to an occasional small group during the week. Um, but, but even that, you're kind of keeping everybody in an arm's length. Well, I'm trying for the power of God's word just to, just to shatter those that, that, that's, that sense or desire that you have to, to keep everybody in arm's length because for your own sanctification or your own spiritual growth, you need to be in, in, in close, life-giving relationships. You need them. You need people with you in the journey. There's a story about a man named Ernest Henry Shackleton. He was an Anglo-Irish polar explorer. Any experts here on exploring the Arctic? All right, Lawton, thank you. You, you can verify this. Uh, he was a prominent figure in the heroic age of Antarctic exploration. And he was on what proved to be his final expedition to the Arctic seas. Something happened where Shackleton was seated in his office in London preparing for his trip. He didn't know it, but it would be his final exploration. He was speaking to a friend about all that needed to be done and all that he needed. And here he is in his London office and his friend says to him, you know, Shackleton, I'm surprised that you're being so public about your expedition. This wasn't his style at all. He'd like to be behind the scenes. But on this one, he was telling everybody about it. He was spreading the word exactly where he was going and when he was going and how he was going. And his friend noticed it and says, I can't believe that you're saying so much about it. It's unlike you. Well, Shackleton looked back at his friend and he said, I have a purpose in doing so. I want my colleague, Mr. Wilde, to hear about my plans. Now, Shackleton had a good friend that he would explore with, that he was quite dependent upon. They had forged many, uh, a great depth of relationship through all kinds of adventures. But Mr. Wilde had buried himself in the heart of Africa, not left an address to anybody. He knew, he knew, he knew, he knew that he needed Mr. Wilde to go with him for this journey to the Arctic seas. So he said, I've put the word out because I want the news to get to Mr. Wilde. And the story goes that even as they were talking, Mr. Wilde comes through the door. Shackleton, stunned, says, how in the world? Mr. Wilde says, well, the news got to me. And because of our relationship, our relationship, I dropped everything and I came to aid you in your journey. This is what happens when we are courageous enough to forge relationships with other people in Christ Jesus. In our time of need, be it a new frontier or a time of sorrow, we will need people around us. It's not easy, but we must do it. There are other kinds of relationships, like relationships with people that are not God's people. I can I just tell you that you need those too? You need relationship with people who are not in Christ. It's interesting to read about Jesus. I mean, Jesus spent a lot of time with uh, a small group of people called his uh, disciples, or his uh, later called the apostles. Uh, he spent a lot of time with 12 and a whole lot of time with three. But beyond that, you know who he spent most of his time with? People that you and I would call sinners. 
And the religious people looked at Jesus and they chided him for it. And there's a story in Matthew where, where Jesus sees this man uh, called Matthew, who's a tax collector. And he goes up to him and he greets him and he says, come and follow me. I want, to, I want you to spend time with me. Now, you should know this about tax collectors. They were hated. The reason that they were hated is because they had a lot of money and they got it because they cheated people for it. And even if they were Jewish, like Matthew was, uh, they, they were in the kind of back pocket of the Roman government. So they, they would turn against their own people to the benefit of the Rome, Roman government and themselves. And the Roman government, as long as they got theirs, they did not care. So when Jesus went up to Matthew, this hated uh, person, um, the religious people went crazy about it. They did not like it because how in the world can this rabbi, a, a religious man, a spiritual man, be spending time with the scum of the earth? In fact, this Pharisee said these words. Why does your teacher, talking to Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Because Jesus went with Matthew after calling him and ate with Matthew and all his friends. Guys that were men of men of disrepute were sinners. Jesus replies, well, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. You see, Jesus, as our example, spent time with people that were outside of relationship with God Almighty. We must do the same. We absolutely must do the same. You're not meant to have only Christian friends. Now, I do think that your closest friends, just like Jesus had, his closest associates were people who loved God and desired to honor the Lord. Those people closest to you will have the greatest influence on you. Those people ought to be God-fearing, Christ-centered, church-going kind of people. But I want to say to you that the majority of your friends ought to be people outside of your faith. When When I began this church... Uh, two years ago, something that occurred to me regarding my relationship. So if I relationally had had 10 units of time, what I realized was I was spending all 10 with people who share my faith in Jesus as Lord. And I kind of got in this mode where uh, it didn't didn't concern me too much. There were people out there that didn't even know that God loves them so much that he sent Christ to die. I mean, sure, I would get up on a Sunday morning and preach to hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. And, um, and I would say these things, but in my own personal life, there was a real disconnect. And so when Jeannie and I moved into the city, we had a conversation more than once where we said, you know what, if we have 10 units of time, we want to spend about two, maybe three with people share our faith, and we want to give the rest to people that are outside of our faith in the Lord. We want them to be able to look into our lives and to come into our home and to hear how we think about things. We want to hear how they think about things. And let me tell you something, and that's something that we've tried to do for two years is to train everybody that says, I want to be a part of Neartown Church to do the same thing. And it's been the most difficult for people that have spent a lot of time in the church. That's what it's been the most difficult for. You are not meant to be friends with only Christians. And you shouldn't be scared of people that don't share your love for Christ. You shouldn't. The, the gospel that you believe in the spirit that dwells within you, if you're abiding in Christ, is way more powerful than the sin that you could be caught up in. But relationships with people that are outside of the church or outside of God's people. They are hard, aren't they? They really, really are. That's maybe the reason we give up on them so quickly. <laughs> They're hard because we must be intentional. We must be 
intentional about building these relationships. I mean, Jeannie and I, because we had to reorient our lives and our thinking so quickly, and it was so different for us, we really literally put a couple of times on the calendar every week where we would say, we're going to spend time with people that don't care anything about Jesus, that, that, that have no, uh, we have no affinity with them r- related to uh, faith in Christ. And so we spent that time with people, and we were intentional, not so that we could get them to church or convert them, just to love on them and get to know them and care for them. We must be intentional about building relationships with people that are outside of the relationship with Christ. They're very hard. And one reason they're hard is because people will quickly reject you. People are wounded. Some of you are here, and you've been wounded by the church. And so when somebody brings up the name of Jesus to you, it's like, oh, because your understanding of Jesus is, is judgment and condemnation and hypocrisy. That's what the world thinks. Uh, one of the first questions I hear whenever I tell somebody about our church and that I'm a pastor, they say, what denomination are you? They want to know what denomination we are so they can immediately remember when somebody from that particular denomination, whether it's Methodist or Baptist or Catholic or whatever, treated them poorly in the name of Christ. You know what I say? I say, we're, we're that denomination, I, you know, I, I don't know, we're that denomination that opens the Bible and talks about who Jesus is and what that means for our life. So what denomination is that? <laughs> And they keep pressing. What denomination are you? You know, um, some of you are here, and you're just just starting to trust, just starting to trust that Jesus may be something other than Republican or um, something other than you know sweaty face preacher guy or re- religion that makes no sense. Or um, you're starting to believe that. And you're here because somebody who desired to introduce you to the Jesus of the Bible cared enough to spend time with you. But do you know, there are a lot of people out there that have no one sharing with them who Christ is in an understandable, accessible kind of a way. This week at Ashes Memorial, I, I knew, I mean, the Bible says what the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. And in the midst of the horror of these last couple of weeks, there was a good thing that happened. And that is that we had the opportunity as a people to share the love of Christ with a whole lot of people, hundreds of people who have never seen the Jesus of the Bible. And the reason that we had that opportunity It's because Ash, over the course of the last year, year and a half, built relationships with people who are not, who did not share his faith in Christ. If someone rejects your efforts, just know um, these words of Jesus. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. So if somebody hates you because of your desire to share the love of Christ with them, you're in good company. The world hated Christ. They put him on the cross. Relationships with people outside the church are very difficult, but they're so important. I will give you one caution, though. In your desire to build relationships with them, you you ought not to be caught up in their wickedness. I mean, there is a lot in the Bible related to our relationships with people that are outside of faith in Christ 
where there's warnings, like don't be caught up in their activity. So you, if you're inclined to addiction, specifically to alcohol, you probably should not spend all your time in environments where people are, where, where are getting drunk and just in the name of Christ, right? I mean, you have, it's just foolish. And you know what that is for you. you. You have to be very careful not to be caught up in the wickedness of people that are outside of the church. But do spend time with some of them. Please do. Every one of us needs relationships. They are hard. So I want to close just with this idea. Because, because I began saying that your relationships here will not be what they can be unless your relationship here is what it is going to be. And we talk a lot about relationship with God, but you might be asking, and some of you are new in your faith, you might be asking, well, how in the world do I build a relationship with God? I mean, I can't even see him. How do you do this? Well, just a couple of simple things. Uh, talk to him. Talk to God. Spend some time every day going, God, I'm not sure who you are, what you look like, what you do, but I want to I wanna be in a relationship with you. And then listen to him. You know how you listen to him? You read his Bible. Read God's word. And there are times where you're reading God's word that your heart will be open to more truths about who God is. Just talk to him. No need to complicate it. This is one thing that religion does sometimes is it overly complicates this thing called relationship with God. Talk to him. And when you're in relationship with other people, find people that you can talk with about Jesus. There's a story where after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, he's, uh, there's this group of people there, there that were his, his followers that were, were walking along this road. And they're talking, according to the scripture, they're talking to one another about the events of Jesus' life his, and his death. They did not yet know that he'd been raised from the dead. And so it's this really interesting passage where it says they're talking to each other about all that happened with Jesus. And Jesus drew near to them. I mean, in this moment, physically, he drew near to them. He's like starts walking with him. And they did not immediately recognize him as the risen Christ. And uh, it struck me as I was thinking about that passage that the way in which we grow together in our relationship with God the best way is that we talk to each other about who Jesus is. We talk about the Bible. We talk about our questions, what we understand, what we don't understand. I mean, this is why we do small groups during the week. Because in this kind of environment, if I just open it up to let you talk, some of you would, would um, um, talk. Others of you would not. You know, this isn't the best environment. So we, we have these smaller groups during the week. Where you know what we do simply? We talk about Jesus. We talk about who he is and what he means and how it impacts our life and how it impacts our marriage and how it impacts our relationship, how it impacts our money and, and all these kinds of things. So if you want to say to me, Russell, how in the world do we build a relationship with God? First of all, talk to God, listen to him from his word, then talk to each other about who Jesus is. I mean, I went to like graduate school, spent a lot of money, spent a lot of time in class, but you don't have to go there to know that. That's very simple. That's, that was for free too. That's for you, for free. Talk to God, listen to God, and talk to one another about who Jesus is. And in doing so, you know what will happen is your relationship with God will grow. Okay, let's bow our heads together.